what is up? Welcome to Bring in the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, Karen Margolis. You know her from Inside Amy Schumer, the Race Wars podcast, and she is currently the co-host of the Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast. Karen's great. Enjoy the show with her. Also, my buddy Joe Shappa drops in for pre-planned bit. You can find him at Joe Shappa on both Instagram and Twitter. He's a very funny follow on social media. And then our quarterback, Jason Garrett. Oh, man, I picked a Cowboys quarterback. As an Eagles fan, this was not easy. You know, I because I, I hate you. I hate your team. I don't, I don't know if I hate you. I hate you as a collective, but as individuals, I'm sure like you, you'd be fine. I know I could be friends with a Cowboys fan. I, I am. I got a couple friends who root for them, but they're real fans. They liked them when they sucked, right? They, you know, they they had like a Quincy Carter jersey and told themselves things would be okay. So if you're one of those those guys, I can handle it. But you know, if you're one of those guys that just started liking the Cowboys when they were winning Super Bowls and had the big stupid '90s stars on their shoulders for their throwback jersey and. No, I, I, I hate you. But don't worry, like a fun hate, you know, like the sports hate. Like, oh, you. <laughs> not, like the, not like Cubs fans when Steve Bartman tried to catch a foul ball and then they waited for him while he slept, knocking on his window at night. Wake up, Steve. Not like unfun hate. I'm going to be in Ohio doing stand-up. Let's get to that part. The... Rubber City Comedy Festival. Right now I've got dates for that week starting on Tuesday, May 4th, a show on Thursday the 6th, and a show on Saturday the 8th. But there's more coming. I just haven't finalized the dates. Once I do, they're all going to be at erichelwick.com. If you are in the Ohio area, for the love of God, come see me performing live comedy. Email me, erichelwickcomedy at gmail. Tell me you're coming out to the show. I'll bring you a goddamn free T-shirt. I don't care... I have not done stand-up for 14 months, and I haven't talked to people besides a couple friends in my family. Please come out. See the show. We're going to have a great time. Speaking of a show, why don't we get this one started right now? I appreciate you guys being here, bringing the backups, coming your way. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. Yeah, let's start the podcast. Hell yeah. I don't know when the cool time is to fade this out. I think it's like like that. Yeah, is that cool? How do I make the podcast sound cool? Podcast? The podcast. Podcast. Already off to a, a rough enunciation start on the show. Thanks for coming in, guys. Hanging out. Oh, what a show we have for you today. My buddy Karen Margolis is on the show. Joe Shappa drops in for a little bit. The very funny Joe Shappa. So much fun. So much fun we had in the interview. We're going to have coming up. So many great bits. And all for free. All for free. Except for the people that have been going to my merch store. Actually, uh, I just cleared. I don't I'll fucking tell you guys. I don't care. I just cleared 100 bucks on my merch store. Like in profit. Which is awesome. Uh, I thought that would take at least five years. Uh, it took a month. So, you know, that's great. That's great that more than a dozen of you currently own items from this podcast. You know, a nice mug, a nice T-shirt. For three of you out there, a hoodie is keeping you very warm. 
The hoodies, the the hoodie sales might go down, you know, as we 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 get near to summer here. You know, it'll go down from four a month to two. <laughs> but the t-shirt should be booming at this point, right? Get yourself a nice thin t-shirt from my merch store. No, it's cool, man. I look, I like that. Uh, I get to like sell stuff. I I started the merch store for the death thing too, the death character, but. That Instagram page is dormant right now. I just started a Twitter form, so I'm sure that'll pick up once I, uh, you know, actually start getting back to making content form or whatever. But thank you to everybody that's been supporting that way. It's the first money I've made on the podcast, baby. I am officially monetized. Boom, hundred bucks in a month, like twenty five bucks a week last month to do, uh, you know, forty hours of work. Fuck you, not enough. Buy things, people. <laughs> no, no, I do appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, while, while I'm appreciating things, thanks to the Big Dumb Podcast for having me on. One of a couple podcasts I did recently, but I did that one three days ago. I think they just released um, released the audio version of the podcast. Um, it was fun. It was like they're young kids on that show. They, they, they listen to the show, too, so they'll hear that. But yeah, they're young, and they're a conspiracy theorist, which I know alienates so many people. I chose alienate intentionally. If we're going to talk conspiracy theory, I should use as many words with the word alien in them as possible. At one point on the podcast, I did. I was doing the show. You know, basically the whole show, I was just trying to get them to stop doing a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> they invited me on so I could shit on the entire concept of their show. And uh, they asked me, what's one conspiracy theory you believe in? And I was like, any of the ones that get proven fully true, which happens like 10% of the time, but people are like, oh, look at these tinfoil hats. And then like five years later, the Pentagon's like, everything they said was correct. And you're like, oh, oh, all right. But there's never like, you're never accountable to the times you shit on conspiracy theory. And then it turned out to be completely true. But that does happen. And then I was remembering, like, do you guys remember that they, we found out that aliens were real during the pandemic? Did they really pick the perfect time to just drop that in? Like, they're like, all right, COVID deaths have now skyrocketed to 45 million. All of you will never see your grandparents in their final hours. And everything you said about UFOs was true. Next question. Like, they just blew right past the fact that aliens appear to be 100% real, confirmed by the Pentagon in the Washington Post. Read the, Just pause this shitty podcast right now and go Google aliens proven real during pandemic. It was, it was the most expert job of burying a story. They're like, wait until a race war erupts and everybody's dying and then admit that little green men in human suits have been walking around. Like Men in Black has been a documentary. It was so crazy. And then the photos that the Pentagon showed in this article, they were like, yeah, this is a UFO. We don't know what this is. They were from Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. Did you guys, do people know? People don't know that because they they kept being like, a source has shown us photos that we can confirm now are fully on it. And it's like, just say Blink-182. I want to hear the president say the words, Blink-182 was right Dude, enema of the state, they're singing about fucking aliens. That's 25 years ago. You tell me that guy found the photos to prove it? Like, Tom DeLonge went to the Pentagon. That's a true story. Like, like how is that not a bigger deal? So I should have said that when they asked me what's a conspiracy theory, I believe. It's like, aliens are fucking real. That's insane. I know people listening are like, they're not aliens, Eric, okay? It was 
unidentified flying objects. Yeah, aliens, motherfucker. That's what it is. Or China, some someone that's going to kill us, but I like to think it's aliens. I like to think it's little tiny green men and women. <laughs> They're very diverse. It's a very diverse alien race that's coming to invade us or either control our uh, nuclear facilities. Nuclear? Nuclear? I think it's nuclear. I don't know. I sound like George Bush 20 years ago. But yeah, that that UFO stuff's crazy. And the weirdest part about UFO videos is always like when they, you can listen to like pilots who have like, you know, they've flown in wars. They've seen like their friends get their heads blown off or decapitated by Zeppelin. Like they've seen like amazingly horrific things. Just any, the rest of us, 99.9999% of Earth's population would go into shock seeing what, these war-tested pilots have seen, right? And then you see them see something come up on their radar or something floating or moving in a way that isn't human, and they're like, oh, 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 my God. Like, they start to have, like, little panic attacks, and you're like, what would make that person have a panic attack? There's only one answer. It's a tiny green man in a human suit, not unlike Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, going, Trevor, get the turtles. That's what it is, except the turtles are humans, and Krang is from, you know, I don't know, another galaxy? Probably not one of these planets, but maybe. Maybe they're from the core of Mars. See, I could have been, this is what's funny, is I did this conspiracy podcast. Big Dumb Podcast, by the way, that's the name of the show. I'm not insulting them. They named their own show that, but you can check them out if you want. But, like, I could have just talked about this and, like, totally blended in with their... It's like you've picked well, a couple issues that I'm like, I'm on board with. I'll sound like fucking Alex Jones if I'm not careful. But I couldn't just throw him a bone. I had to be like, you know, there's a mental, there, there's a mental thing going on. You know, I'm like trying to convince the, the kid to go to therapy by the end. It's like, that's not, he didn't bring me on the show to do that. <laughs> I, I could have just given him what he wanted, but I never do that in conversations. I always got to play the goddamn contrarian and, you know, I'm working on it in therapy. So big dumb podcast. Thanks for having me slash sorry for undercutting everything your show is about. Check them out on Instagram or Twitter or, or, or don't, you know, whatever. You're half listening to this. You're probably not going to go listen to another podcast on my recommendation. But for those of you that take things I say very seriously, <laughs> go check them out. And like now I'm like, I had a buddy tell me that I, I've repeated myself on the show. And so now I'm like, did I tell the Blink-182 thing on a previous episode? Like it's possible I did. I don't remember when that story came out. I don't have a good memory. So I'm... I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to fix that where, like, you might hear. I, I guess what I'm saying is fuck you. If I repeat myself on the show, why don't you start a podcast and never repeat yourself? It's hard. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going off the cuff here. What comes to me is what comes to me. Sometimes I'm going to repeat myself. When I got to have, like, a, a topic every week that I've never spoken about. This week on the show, I, I talk about Egypt for 40 minutes. I'm going to talk about shit as it comes to me, people. And sometimes you're going to get a little bit of overlap, all right? That's just how it is. That's how the podcast business is. And that's what every podcaster does is at some point they go like, uh, I think I've said this before, or they go, my audience has heard this before, I think. And it, that, that's just podcast speak for I know this bit is funny. <laughs> I'm going to do it again. 
No, no, I'm fucking, I'm fucking around. Sometimes you really don't remember if you said something, and I, I'm, I'm sure I repeat myself just based on how many times my wife tells me I'm repeating a story. I know there's no way I'm not doing the same thing on here. So, what I'm saying is, I'm going to play you a pre-planned bit right now, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about nothing but Egypt because I've never spoken about Egypt before. I have no opinions on Egypt. But that's a guarantee that you know, you'll be getting brand new, never before heard, shitty takes based on nothing. <laughs> that's your choice. You can hear a couple bits a second or third time and it be funny or it can be shitty takes of random countries every week. So you can feel like it's an original. 108 billion people on earth have died, okay? Here's a, here's a little spoiler alert. Nothing's an original, okay? Not you, not me, not this podcast. But this pre-planned bit that's coming up, this is a full original. <laughs> You've never heard anything like this, all right? This is a new bit we, uh, we're doing on the show now. Deep breaths, you may be familiar. It's one of, uh, I think it's, it's gaining in popularity. By that, I mean two of you have said you like it. Which, hey, if, you, if two people not related to me listen right into the podcast saying they like something, that's a fucking gold standard right there. So this bit stays, all right? I'm like getting mad at you before the bit plays. All right, whatever. Just make up your mind for yourself. Hi. Bringing the Backups presents Deep Breath, a practice of mindfulness and meditation. And a deep breath in and a deep Picture your thoughts as if they were shifting clouds on a canopy of a clear blue sky, and you were a blade of grass watching it pass above. I suppose the grass has human eyes in this metaphor, which is horrifying. I mean, imagine mowing that one. What's with commercials anthropomorphizing everything these days? Huh? I don't want to think of my food as sentient while I'm eating it. All right, now I'm Jeffrey Dahmer because I wanted a fucking Pop-Tart. And by the way, vegans that listen to this show can tuck their righteous boners under the band of their sweatpants. Okay, we get it. Everything had to hurt to make food, all right? But your food sucks and your company's worse. So go jerk off to a 2015 Bernie rally on YouTube and leave me and my turkey burger alone, you fuck. Enjoy the plants, you ninny. Sometimes I feel like I talk too fast on this podcast. So deep breaths is a chance to remind myself to slow down. All right, enough of that. Uh, Jason Garrett. I'm not going to talk about Egypt. I'm going to talk about Jason Garrett. (laughs) And the reason I'm talking about Jason Garrett, look, I'm an Eagles fan. So, you know, it must be said, fuck the Cowboys. That's the, when I was trying to get my wife into football, she was like, are there things I need to know? I was like, just say fuck the Cowboys whenever I mention football. That's enough. I'll smile and I'll change the subject. I just need to know 
that you don't ever like that team. And she was like, got it. So I don't like Dallas, okay? But here's the thing. I, I run a podcast where I talk about backup quarterbacks. I try to get people from around the league. And I'm Cowboys fans are welcome to listen. I'm going to shit on you. I'm going to shit on your team. I don't really shit on anybody else because I don't, I don't have an issue with anybody else. I actually don't mind the, the Giants. They're in the division. I don't mind the Redskins or the Washington football team. I don't mind. I'm going to say Redskins. Pick a new name, all right? Christ. Anyway, look, I don't mind the other teams in the NFC East because they're fine. <laughs> it's the Cowboys that I hate. And it's, look, it's, come from, it's from my childhood, all right? They were dominant when I was a kid, so I hated them. And I hated the frontrunner mentality that so many of their fans have. Now, it's not all their fans, but it's a lot of them. And we'll, I'll put a pin in Cowboys fans and revisit. But anyway, so to the people being like, why would you even do a Cowboy? You know, I know I got a lot of Eagles fans that listen. Uh, picked, up, picked them up during the Koi Detmer days when I did a Koi Detmer episode. Go Birds. Why would you even do... A Cowboys episode. Well, because I'm, I, I want to be fair, all right? And I picked Jason Garrett because I figured it was the only quarterback that would annoy Cowboys fans to listen to more than it annoys me to talk about the Cowboys. So it's like it's a little bit of a troll, but I'm going to talk about him because he does have, look, one of the top backup Thanksgiving memories of all time. You guys know what I'm talking about. He feasted on a turkey leg after beating the Green Bay Packers come from behind when the Packers were good. So we're going to get into that. But let's let's go through this guy's Wikipedia page. Jason Calvin Garrett, 55 years old, born in Abington, Pennsylvania. But his father was from Cairo, Egypt. And here's the thing about Egypt. Just kidding. Uh, his dad plays a big role in his life. By uh, getting him jobs and shit. Uh, he was a college football quarterback at Princeton University. And then in the NFL, he was with the Cowboys, the Giants, the Bucks, and the Dolphins. And then let's not forget, he was, I think, drafted by the Saints. Was he drafted by the Saints? Oh, no. Unsigned, undrafted free agent with the Saints. Didn't make the team. Then he played in San Antonio for the San Antonio Riders. And then the Ottawa Rough Riders. Love that. Love anybody in a non-NFL football league is going to have a pretty solid chance of making the show. So Garrett makes that qualification. But yeah, let's look at what his early years. Okay, he goes to a prep school in Ohio. Huntington Valley, Ohio. I wonder if that's close to Akron, where I'm in the Rubber City Comedy Festival in two weeks. All right. He lettered in football, basketball, baseball. All right. All league honors as a quarterback and safety. Blah, 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 blah. College. Yeah, so he, like, starts at Princeton. Then he goes to Columbia, where his dad's coach. And then then they go 0-10. And And then he transfers back to Princeton with his brother. I think with, with his brothers. His brothers are Judd John. Judd and John. So Judd John and Jason. I don't like when people name their kids all the same first name. Like, this isn't like a a shitty poem that you write in college after you learn what alliteration is. Like, Judd, John, and Jason? Judd, John, and Jason? Get over here. Peter, Piper, and Peckle? (laughs) I can't can't improvise three names. Eric, Edwin, and 
Encarnacion, get over here. I just took Edwin Encarnacion and broke his name into two first names. It's I don't like it. Whatever. Let's move on. Uh, his brothers, they come over to Princeton. And then Princeton. Who gives a fuck about Princeton? He played at Princeton. Okay, He played a bunch of smart, shitty athletes and did well. Good for him. He had good numbers in college, which is, as you guys know, in on this show, never a guarantee because some of these quarterbacks had terrible college numbers, but at least he, you know, completed more than 60% of his passes. He threw a bunch of touchdowns. But again, it's Ivy League, so he's like playing against me. Like if I was smart, that's who he was like beating on an out route with a receiver. So... Although I guess, you know, here's the thing. The receivers he was throwing to also weren't that good. So I guess I guess it evens out. Look, Trey Lance, huh? This guy's playing Division One AA. He's going to get, I think he's going to get drafted in the first five. So, you know, sometimes you stand out. Although Jason Garrett did not. He was not drafted. Uh, bad example. Goes to the Saints, undrafted free agent, New Orleans in the 90s. Is that when I was there? Hang on, let me do this math. He was in on the Saints. In 1990, I lived there in, uh, no, I was there in 93, 94, right? I don't know. How old are you in first grade? Seven? Was I seven? Seven or eight? I don't know. Uh, anyway, this is, <laughs> I hope this podcast is, uh, if anybody's listening to this while driving, I've killed people because you've been put to sleep. Uh, San Antonio Riders in 1991. The World League of American Football. So, you know, went to a lot of games with, you know, 50 people in the stands and, uh, you know, a a ball that's a weird color and probably, like, small enough where I could grip it. So they always try to make, like, a little change in those weird leagues. They're like, all right, it's football, but uh, instead of a helmet, you wear a turkey on your head. Like, that's what the XFL, remember the XFL came the first time, the XFL, they were like, everybody was so excited, and they were like, okay, it's like football, but Stone Cold Steve Austin flips the coin. And we're like, that's it? And they're like, uh, and kickoff start at the 30? And we're like, this sucks. (laughs) You can't choke slam people for, like, a first down? What is the XFL if there's no wrestling moves? Anyway, uh, he played for the San Antonio Riders. And then he hops up to the Canadian Football League, CFL, 1991. But then he can't make the team. <laughs> he sucks. And then in 92, he makes the Cowboys uh, with the support of his father, who was in the scouting department. This dude, oh, my God, it's hilarious. So his dad gets him a job in the NFL. Uh, and then he backs up. He's backing up Troy Aikman and Hugh Millen. Who the fuck is Hugh Millen? Some backup for the Cowboys in 92. But he passes Millen on the depth chart. Backup quarterback, rising to the occasion. And uh, eventually, you know, plays in a couple games. And look, here's the thing. He's on the Cowboys in 93 and 95 when they win their Super Bowls. I'm loath to say it, but the Cowboys were very good in the early 90s. His highlight career is in the 1994 Thanksgiving Day game. All right, he, Rodney Pete was hurt. Uh... Garrett comes in and listen to his numbers. 15 of 26 for 311 yards and two touchdowns in the second half of a comeback win, which earned him NFC Offensive Player of the Week honors on Thanksgiving against Brett Favre. And I watched the highlights for the game. 
It was good. He looks like he shouldn't be playing quarterback. He looks small and and weak. And he has a, a real noodle arm. But he gets it done in this one game. You know, obviously, he has, like, Hall of Famers around. He's surrounded by Hall of Famers. But, hey, he got it done. Got it done. I got his career stats right here. 11 touchdowns, only 5 picks, 2,000 passing yards, 56 uh, completion percentage, 56% completion percentage. A passer rating of 83.2. So really not that bad. Really not that bad, okay? He goes 3-2 and in a 5. He started 5 games uh, at some point in the 90s. I think he's in 94. And, uh, yeah, does all right. Three and two. He goes one and one in two games in 1999. So, like, you know, he's all right. He's done with Dallas uh, by 1999. Then he goes to the Giants. So, uh, let's give him the full things. New Orleans, San Antonio, and Ottawa Rough Riders from 89 to 91. Cowboys, 93 to 99. The Giants from 2000 to 2003. But he got beat out by Jesse Palmer, former star of the show, Jesse Palmer, and future star of The Bachelor, takes him out. But he was on the Giants for four years, and then he uh, kicks around with the Bucks and Dolphins in the 2004 season on and off practice squads. And that's it. Then he's done, and then he gets into coaching. And we'll talk about his coaching. <laughs> I guess we could talk about his coaching now. He gets Cowboys fans, look, listen to his numbers. He, got, he As a coach for the Cowboys, he comes in in 2010, coaches till 2019. Cowboys fans hate him as a coach, okay? When you go look at him online, look at comments of Jason Garrett, they act like this dude was the worst. But look at his numbers. He was 85 and 67. That's a 559 winning percentage. He won two, he went two and three in the playoffs. Uh, so played in five playoff games in 10 seasons. So that's not that good. But, you know, whatever. The Cowboys suck. Fuck them. He went, he went 11 and nine against the Eagles, including seven and three in Philly. So, you know, it's not like I liked them. It's not like they were an easy win then. It's, it's just these Cowboys fans, like, they think that they deserve to win the Super Bowl. That's what it is. It's like they can't just embrace that they suck. But they do. They suck. They suck. They suck. And I also want to thank all the Cowboys fans who are coming to this podcast for the first time this week, thinking that I would not be shitting on them. But I will. Except for the real ones, okay? Here's the thing. Some of you are not fake, okay? Some of you are, like, really big fans of football, all right? And I can respect that. Like, I saw a video of a Cowboys fans, like, like they were losing a game, and he pulled out a gun, and he shot the screen four times with his gun. And I was like, that's a, that's a guy I can get behind, you know? Putting people in his home at risk because the Cowboys missed a field goal. Just you just fucking ace your big screen TV. <laughs> That's a real fan. But a lot of Cowboys fans are like LeBron. Remember when LeBron was like, what were your favorite teams, LeBron? And he was like, oh, I like the Cowboys, the Yankees. Anybody that was winning when I was six foot nine and dunking on people. It's like, how about you like Cleveland, dude? You're from Cleveland. You're from Akron, Ohio. How is your favorite team? Not the Browns. Browns, Indians. Dude, it's, it's, but that, that, that's the thing I don't like about Cowboys fans is I knew so many of them that they'd never even been to Dallas before. It's just people just pretend, they just like the team that's winning when they're kids. It's like how boring of a way is that to watch football? Just pick the team that's winning? What, where's your loyalty to your region? 
Okay, think about Tampa Bay Bucks fans, okay? How tempted were they to, like, the 49ers or the, the Packers or the Cowboys when they were kids? But they didn't do it. They stuck with the Buccaneers, the worst team in, like, organized sports for decades. And then what happened? What do they get to celebrate now? They, only, they get one Super Bowl, but it means more. Actually, they got two. They got two Super Bowls that mean more because they stuck with their team when it sucked. So that's a lesson for all frontrunners out there. So I shouldn't say all Cowboys fans, but to the fake ones. There's a lot of fake Cowboys fans. And there also there's a lot of fake Cowboys because Cowboys isn't like really a job anymore. But people like dress up there and they're like, hey, how about them Cowboys? I'm like, what is it, like Halloween in August? What are you wearing? So, yeah, look, not a fan. <laughs> so I picked Jason Garrett to piss you off. But still, it's apparently, like I said, annoying me more than it's probably annoying you to listen to. So I, in, in the end, I've hurt myself more. Which, you know, when it comes to these types of things, you really are hurting yourself more when you let your emotions get to you like this. You know, the, the race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. All right, let's do another one of these pre-planned bits. Bring in the backups presents... Letters Home from the Bench, October 27th, 2003. Marquise Tuiasa Sopo writes, My sweet Amelia, the Oakland Raiders have disposed to me the liberty to play, and faint-heartedness be damned, play I shall. There is no greater glory than governing the Oakland Raiders in strife against the Kansas City Chiefs. Make no mistake, Amelia, we are outranked. If victory shall escape our lips in triumph, it shall come to pass with guile, deceit, and home-field advantage, not dissimilar to our revolutionary brothers in 1776. They would lie in wait with their begrimed, overgrown pubic hairs, their wilding eyes concealed in familiar underbrush, biding their collective time until the consummate juncture when they would pussyfoot behind orderly redcoats and slice their ball sacks open before withdrawing to the wood. I recognize our favors not fortuitous, Amelia, but we will clash and struggle until the last man has met his maker. If I fall, know that I will love you through this life and the ensuing. Forever yours, Marquise. All right. Welcome back in. I think he pronounces it Marcus, but too late. I recorded that shit like two months ago. I'm not going to re-record shit because I... Fucked up somebody's name. It's too late. Another pre-planned bit. Thank you to everybody that's uh, written in to hop on the uh, the old Patreon waiting list. Uh, my friend Joe Shappa comes on in the next pre-planned bit to make fun of me having that. But listen, it's not a, look. It's not a waiting list. Just email me to let me know if you want to be on it first. I don't want to debut uh, a Patreon and have like three people on. Then it's just like obviously I'm getting allowance from my parents. All right. So I need some of you if you're liking this show. If like. Three to five dollars a month sounds like something you'd want for more shows. Just write in. Go to my website, erichelwig.com. Hop on the Patreon waiting list. <laughs> Just email me and say, Eric, start the Patreon. 
All right. I was saying if 20 of you want it, I'll do it. You know, I'm not quite in double digits yet, but some of you have written in. I appreciate it. It's good to know that there's interest out there. But uh, if you just call in and let me know, call in. If you write in and let me know, that's helpful. And you can do it right on my website. Again, erichelwig.com. Check that out. And then uh, I got a shit ton of reviews. I got like almost 20 reviews uh, from the last episode I re- since I released the last episode with Scotty Landis. Probably because Scotty's a huge, <laughs> successful person. It's nice to have successful people on the podcast. Not that my other guests haven't been, but Scotty's, you know... Writing on real TV shows. So, yeah, I think I got a bunch of people that had not listened to the show before. Listen to some of these reviews, huh? Mary Eliz05 writes, Eric is legit. I'm not even a sports watcher, and his approach makes me question that. He's hilarious, and I find myself listening to it in place of other shows. Who did I replace? Who did I replace? Dak Shepard, Joe Rogan. Tucker Carlson, who did you stop listening to to make room for your boy, unknown comedian Eric Helwig? Probably your son's podcast that you were getting sick of, right? Am I right, Mary Elizabeth? Did you did you switch me out for somebody else who sucks, or did you take out a professional? Who's behind me? Hey, Liz. My wife uh, dropped something in the background. I don't know if you guys could hear it, but it was very distracting. Anyway, thanks for the review. Hope you're still listening to the to the show. Maddie Daddy on Apple Podcasts wrote, Can't wait to listen to more. So much knowledge, but so fun. Thanks for giving us this. Thanks for giving us this. Wow, that feels... Well, I'm not really... I'm, I'm giving it to you in the hope that you'll give me something back, Maddie Daddy. So maybe stop embracing that it's free and fucking Patreon newsletter your way over to erichelwick.com. There's a merch store, Maddie Daddy. How about you give me something? Anyway, then he wrote, can't wait to catch up on those episodes. All right, well, great. Thanks, Maddie Daddy. Daddy, Daddy's rough, right? Unless it's like, I only like Daddy out of the words of children under the age of three to their own father. Other than that, I get creep vibes, but that's just me. Do a couple more here. KFKC9 writes, I love how the pod is able to interview sports and real-life experiences. What, interview sports and real-life experiences? Uh Uh-oh. We need more of the human aspect in podcasts, and it's a welcome change. What, are you listening to a bunch of, like, fucking iRobot podcasts? Uh, Highly recommended for a good time. (laughs) What are you, what is JFKC9 listening to where she's not getting enough human aspects in her podcast? You're listening to very polished, uh, like probably like British noblemen do podcasts about how they used to organize the serfs in their uh, town that they lived in. <laughs> I don't know where we are in the 1820s or whatever this is. All right, one more. Let's do one more. We got B. Knudsen. Oh, this is Brian. This is... Uh, I actually forgot to mention last podcast, I, I, was, I did a show called The Spinoff, and Brian wrote an interview. looks like he's been listening to the pod. Eric has the right path here in great content. So glad I found this. Keep it up, my man. Thank you, Brian. You, can, you guys can check out Brian's show. Uh, like I said, it's called The Spinoff. Uh, he's on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. And, and by the way, I, I, I know last time I said I did like six podcasts. I did a bunch more. I know I already mentioned Big Dumb Podcast, but I did Kickoff Pod, which I've... 
I did a couple months ago. I went back on and co-hosted with them last week. Had a great time. Um, those guys are great, and we did like a candy bracket, which just you know, as a newly found pre-diabetic, love doing a candy bracket. That's right. I got something to add to my list of ailments to complain about. Pre-diabetic baby. But anyway, kickoff pod was great, and then I did Locked On Browns, which is uh, a pretty big show. I mean, it has like a huge listenership, and I think a lot. I got a lot of listeners from that as well. So. Thank you to all the people that have had me uh, on their shows. I appreciate it. And if you're listening and you got a show, obviously I- I'm I'm saying yes to everything. So just ask me. I'll come do your show. I don't care what it's about. I'm going to mention Locked on Browns. I, I did that because I'm going to be in Cleveland. Uh, dates for Cleveland Akron shows. Right now I've got three booked, but there's going to be at least five. Uh, we're finalizing dates and uh, – Times and everything like that. The festival's still going to add another one. So uh, just go to erichelwig.com for tickets. If you're in the Ohio area and you want to see me doing stand-up in person, you can do it. erichelwig.com. You can get your tickets. Shoot me an email and let me know you're coming too. I got all that stuff right there on the website. So I'd uh, love to meet fans uh, once I'm out on the road, which I obviously cannot wait to be a real thing. Um. I mentioned pre-diabetes. I guess I look. I'm not, I don't want to complain about my health all the time. All right, but look, let's just go through the list. I got pre-diabetes now, plantar fasciitis, celiac disease, and hypothyroidism. <laughs> oh, and I'm and my moles are giving me cancer. Like I got my I got to go back and get moles taken off my body like every three months. This is crazy. I like I'm. I feel like I turned middle-aged like in two weeks they were just like everything's broken (laughs) everything's broken just eat celery till you're dead so yeah man i mean look the good news is i you know i have eaten healthy and like you know keeping track of my health and you know dropped a couple lbs in the last couple weeks because i got to you know it's like what i'm gonna not be around i really don't react to the flowery body positivity language like it doesn't motivate me to do anything i kind of need someone to be like no more cinnabon you fat fuck get to work (laughs) like you're gonna die you want to be in a (laughs) you want us to be saying nice flowery things about your plus size body as we lower you into your grave at 48 eat healthy (laughs) so it's whatever like whatever floats your boat if you just need people patting you on the back uh great but i'm not that kind of person right i tell my therapist don't call me brave it's like a therapist thing i feel like every time you're like you tell them you're like and then my and then my dad said this and they're like you're so brave i'm like i'm not i'm not taking a hill in a battle (laughs) no one's shooting at me i'm just complaining about my father (laughs) we stop watering down the word brave uh, some of you are like, Eric, you are brave. I can, he- I can hear some of you. And then some of you are laughing and being like, he's right. We overuse the word. You know what? Once I say it, it's not for me to interpret. It's for you guys to take. Whatever you see, you know. But once it's out of my mouth, it's, it's out. And it's for you to cut with your own life experience and decide, is Eric just not willing to say he's brave? Or is Eric making a good point that, Everybody goes to therapy now and throws around the words and they start to mean nothing. So I don't know. 
but I'll let you guys decide, right? That that's my job as a comedian. I, I say what feels true to me, and then it and then it's not in my control anymore. I think I've run out of steam here. Let's go to the. Uh, <laughs> let's do a uh, a quick bit here, and then we're gonna get to our interview for the week. We got uh, Karen Margolis, who I'm very excited to talk to. You guys are gonna be excited to listen to. We had a uh, we had a great time. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast, because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. Hi, I'm Joe Schappa. I'm Eric's friend and former comedy teacher. I apologize for encouraging Eric when he was young. If only I'd summoned the courage to tell Eric he was marginally talented. But I whipped out, and now it's too late, so become an enabler. <laughs> Visit EricElwick.com, where you can rate his show five. You spend a lot of time on Amazon, but you have not spent enough time on EricHelwig.com, where you can rate his show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Hop on the Patreon waiting list, because he doesn't want you out there now. you got to wait. Uh, he he doesn't want your money. Uh, you're going to have to wait to, to get on there and join his newsletter. Again, that's erichelwick.com to support this insane delusion. Even as <laughs> he has a merch store on his website. You know what? I have not been to the merch store, but I'm guessing there's a quote there from his podcast that he thought was funny. Like, tortoises in pajamas that only real Helwig heads really can understand. They see each other out and they're like, ah, you listen to Eric's podcast? <laughs> and my guess is that he's only sold maybe a shirt, and probably half a shirt at that. EricHelwig.com. All right. Uh, you can follow Joe Shappa at Joe Shappa on Instagram and Twitter. Karen is a friend of mine. So we kind of met during, like, I knew her through comedy. I knew of, I should say I knew of her, but. We worked this crazy job together in New York. It was right before I moved to L.A. And I was a little weird about, because the conversation, we <laughs> I'm not going to ruin anything in the conversation, but we talk about our mutual job and how it ended for like 15 minutes. And I think it's interesting to listen to. I hope you guys like it. And it's not just two people shitting on a company. I tried to bleep out everything that makes the company knowable, but... We'll probably get sued <laughs> at some point for libel. So, I don't know, maybe don't share this episode with people. Uh, but anyway, it was – and then it, and we got to talk about other stuff too. But Karen's great. Uh, you may have seen her on Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, she's the host of the Race Wars podcast and currently the co-host of Two Black Guys with Good Credit <laughs> featuring my very white friend Karen Margolis is part of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. She's hilarious. We're so happy to have her on the show. So let's get into the interview right now. A shame. Think something new. Undersign. You can't take back some things. You're already done, done. What's the premise of this show? Uh, it's backup quarterbacks. So every week I pick, or every show I should say, I pick a backup quarterback and do like, it's not, it's just like a theme so I can have a show, but it's not, it's really just me complaining about having celiac disease and getting fat. And then celiac, I have Crohn's disease. I knew that, you know, I actually think about 
that conversation I had with you often because I remember when we were yeah. working together, you said something like, I can't eat vegetables. It makes me <laughs> sick. And I was like, what the fuck? Is that like some like, that sounds like something an eight-year-old says to like not have to eat vegetables. And I just didn't I get know. it. You know, it's funny. I Salads are like a naughty food for me, so I, I can't resist them. <laughs> what can you eat that doesn't make you sick? I mean, I'm really lucky. I eat I eat pretty much whatever, but there's like danger zones that I try to avoid. Like I remember once like a, a salad, a raw kale salad. I'll never do that again. Um, a bag of coconut chips. These were both in college when I was reckless. Um, cha- smoking cigarettes. Not good. I don't know what it is. I jewel. Can't stop jeweling. But <laughs> cigarettes, I can't do. Cigarettes will kill me. That's so, and, that's so wild. Is that like what people's... So specific. Is that what's what people's Crohn's experience is? Is that it's random stuff that like kind of triggers it or whatever? Well, it's not exactly random. It's like under an umbrella of things that are known to not be good for Crohn's. But everybody's in, kind of individual. Like you know, if I miss a couple days of my medication, it's not going to be a big deal. But for other people, that could just send them. Sure. So I'm I I'm really lucky. But like that kind of stuff in general, if you really have Crohn's like pretty bad, and I hope I'm not jinxing myself here, you can't touch any of that. You know, I'd be on like a liquid diet if yeah. I really had it bad. Yeah. Well, I ate bread every day for 35 years, and my wife was like, you need to go to the doctor because I was just shitting all the time. And I was like, no, you know, it's just that's just what dudes do. And then when I went to the doctor, they were like, yeah, you have it full-blown. Like my wife sent me to the doctor, and when the doctor was like, what's wrong with you? I called my wife and was like, talk to my wife. She'll tell you what's going on. I don't <laughs> know what my health is. It's always the wife's job to know what's going on with her husband's asshole, isn't it? You guys don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, specifically the asshole. You know, if it was a problem with, like, my heart, I would have figured it out. We think. We hope. <laughs> we don't even know. I, I have no uh, – yeah, I'm not original in this. I have no care for my own health. Men and, never do. What is, no. what is with you guys? Because we're willing. Because we're ready to die. I know it's what's attractive about your whole species. <laughs> Different girls from are not, girls aren't like that. No, you guys want to live and value your life more. We and, very much want to live. Yeah, we want our. We, it's. I think it's because we have babies and we're like they need us. And you guys are like, well, no one really needs us. <laughs> I also think. I also think. I mean, do you want to be happy in life? Yeah, I am happy. One. <laughs> I don't know if I value happiness as much. I've, I've, it's like a childhood thing. It's like, I think it's partly but my... But Eric, wh- what is the point of being alive then? <laughs> Doing the right thing. Just no, just shitting and not eating bread? Just like, shitting what? and not what eating bread. Like? No, look, look. I if, if I don't want to... Look, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I can tell you <laughs> it's about my childhood and it's my, my dad. Oh, no, it's so happy. My, it's yeah. so important, my friend. It's It's the only thing. It's the, it's the only, only thing. No, it's not the only thing, but I think it's. Yeah, it is. No, it is. Look, what? Ha, ha, it's inarguable. Like, let's say you're like, it's happiness isn't a thing. It's money, but lack of money will make you unhappy. Like, certain things contribute to your happiness or decrease it. Yeah, but, but happiness is is it. It's like the thing. Yeah, but everybody doesn't get to be happy. A pedophile should not be happy. Okay. A pedophile should feel unfulfilled. Let's, hold on, let's unwrap. <laughs> By the way, good to see you. Uh, we should get really let, good to see you. Well, let's know, say hi to each other years. first before we dive deep into pedophilia. Um, right, right, right. What do you want to do? Unpack or say hello to each other? Okay, well, let's say hello because people don't know how we know each other. We know each other from comedy, kind of, but we work together at. Oh, you're which, saying the name? 
oh, am I not allowed? You can bleep it out or whatever. I'll probably right? have. Yeah, but don't say it anymore. I don't want extra work. I won't. I know, but listen, I wouldn't even sweat them that much. I don't know how they're still in business. They are, are they still in business? Yes, they are. I just had an entire conversation with about this. I went on their website because I was like, what? are they doing? How could they possibly, they provide no service and nothing that they provide. So and they, and they were like, remember they flew us all out to for, for, yes, of course, for no reason. First of all, it was awesome. Were you there when we did the podcast with that? And like, we were like drunk and high. Yeah, and that we went to go do that podcast and the guy was like kind of hitting on you guys and I was calling him a murderer the whole time. We were all calling him murderer. So we're like, we don't know that you don't murder. We don't know that. Yeah. We're in Sweden alone with you in your studio alone. It, like it was like 11 o'clock at night, but to, over there it feels like four o'clock at night or whatever like, in the morning. Like they're just not open. When we were there, it was light until like it was light like all night. Do you remember that? They flew us out for no reason at great expense we didn't need to be there. We were answering emails. Like this was not, we had no in- investment in the company. We were all comics. Remember that was so much fun. We were all comedians. Somehow we got this job doing the same thing. We we're all just talking shit constantly. <laughs> and, then and then they mass fired, fired. they mass fired you guys. Karen, did I ever tell you this story? I must've, you must've heard the story about how I left. I remind me. I like really, okay. So, so, much I, of that. so I was moving to LA Okay. And I told them months in advance, I'm moving to L.A. And they were like, oh, maybe you can work remote, blah, blah, blah. And oh, then, I feel like I remember this. And then a week, a week before <laughs> I leave, they're like, you can't work remote. You oh, yeah. you have to stay. They're like, you, we just can't hire. We can't keep you on. I was like, okay, it's fine. So funny because it was a condition of my hiring that I got to work remote. I, and, I, and then they gave everybody else. They were like, we'll fire you. We'll fire you immediately yes. if you're going to ask. And also, like, you guys used to claim seniority on stuff, but you were hired, like, 14 <laughs> seconds before I was. <laughs> It's like being the older twin. <laughs> no, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it really is like, it's just startup. Like startups are crazy. Like they don't, it was, nobody's a leader. Nobody. No one. And it's like, yeah. but they're corporate sort of, but there's no HR. Everyone just does what they want. I remember I used to just fuck off and go to yoga and they were like, where are you? And I was like, here, of course, working. <laughs> and no. then they gave me a raise and I was like, if this job weren't such horseshit, I would feel actually bad. I would feel actually bad. They're paying me at that time it was more money than I'd ever made. It was a really solid paycheck, and I needed the money because I had just shot a pilot and was broke from it. I built my savings up with that. But yeah. anyway, I want to tell you how I got – how I left. I'm – they're like, you can't – we're not going to keep you on in L.A. I was like, okay, fine. Fuck you, whatever. And then my last day in the office, everybody comes in, and uh, somebody, like, hands me a gas card for L.A. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And everybody came over to the desk, and it was usually at that point – literally me working by myself in the office for like a month like no like nobody came in i like i don't have a boss i was just this big huge area like i remember like my wife or girlfriend at the time came in and like hung out for three hours like it just was not a real job and then this one day my last day everybody comes in and we're all hanging out for a long time like close to an hour just chatting and everybody's like i think just happy to see each other in person yeah and then i just go Hey, it's really cool that you guys all came in to say goodbye to me. And somebody goes, we're not here to say goodbye to you. We just found out you're quitting. And then five minutes later, they mass fire the rest of you. But for me, because I had said I was leaving, they never fired me. So they were being nice to me as they fired all of you. It was a cascade, so they, they fired. <laughs> so first of all, I won't say their names, but there was this really beautiful, cute, hardworking married couple with a small child, a, a tiny oh daughter. Oh, my God, like three, yeah. 
and they were based out in like the Midwest and they worked the hardest. They like carried our whole team and the company insisted on <laughs> moving them to <laughs> <laughs> then like a couple months and they got fired and they sent them all home <laughs> because they were planning to send their kids to school in sweden i think she was pregnant oh my god <laughs> and they fired us and like immediately everybody starts texting each other is like oh my god it's coming it's happening so we all like whoever wasn't fired yet started canceling everybody else's account because it was like an app so we we're all using it so we could know how it worked yeah and um so everybody, so we were like, can you cancel my things? Everybody canceled the thing, forwarded emails or whatever. Two seconds later, we're all shut out, and that was that. It's so wild. It was so wild. The craziest thing was as you guys would get fired and then <laughs> storm out, and the next one of you would go in to be executed. I was getting messages from people being like, can you believe this? This is crazy. And then the people that were there to fire you guys, again, whose names will remain nameless, were sitting right across from me going, everybody will be okay, right? Like, I was experiencing the emotions of the people that had to fire, like, 20 people. I'm seeing, like, a text on my screen being like, fuck, blah, blah, blah. And then blah, blah, blah is a foot away from me being like, they're not that mad, are they? I'm like, no, they're fine. exactly what you're talking about. That guy... Who they like brought him in from the Israeli Mossad, by the way, to like snipe <laughs> us all out. He just quietly like took aim at all of us, knocked us all out. We didn't see it coming, or maybe we did see it coming. We should have. And he still follows me on Instagram and watches all my stories. He is a, he is not a bad guy, but he's he's clearly no, he's not a bad guy. He had a wife and a kid. He did what yeah, he had yeah. To. He did what he had to do. That's what they hired him for. He was like he was like one of those Israelis from the movie Munich, just sneak in. Kill people yeah. quietly, sneak back yeah. out, and then like, but you're still like a person with a with feelings and everything. Like that's you're still full human being, right? You're not like one of those robot commandos. Yeah, like, it was wild. It was weird for me because it was like I was feeling bad for him because he right. was right in front of me. I'm sure if I was hanging out with you guys, I would have felt worse for you. Oh, we but, didn't feel bad for him. We all oh, the shit no. we talked was so epic. <laughs> <laughs> It was that was a wild experience. It kind of made me when I'm because I moved out to L.A. obviously right after that. And I was like, OK, I need a, I truly need a day job where I have zero investment in anything happening at my job. Otherwise, because that did take energy out of me to be like, what? Lot, yeah, because yeah, like, I mean, it's just like also it's a, it was full time. You could go to yoga. I had to come into the office. I, did. I felt so bad for you. Guys. It sucked. It, it was a difference of seconds. It was like millimeters was the difference between my job and your job. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it's I don't I haven't really kept in touch with that many people that that work there. But I mean, I I I don't know. I think it's funny that I was the only one to not get fired. And then after it was all done, at one point I asked the guy who um, the guy who had to fire you guys. I was like, you you were going to fire me if I wasn't. He was like, no, well, you know, we could never. I'm like, you fired every single person. You obviously were going to fire me. You can't act like you weren't going to fire me. He was like, eh, you know, you can't. You never can tell with these things. Like he was. Yeah, he was he was very professional. I got a. He was ultra professional. I think I don't know if he still works there, but according to their website, they're hiring. Wow. Hiring what? I don't know. I, who even knows? For what? Why? What, do they pay money? Who well, they, knows? Well, they, it's, it's a weird company. They hired like 35 people to work customer service, and then <laughs> they fired everybody in customer service, and we're like, we're just not going to have customer service <laughs> oh, <no>. anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, it was, I, I don't know. I've, 
maybe other people that listen to the show, if you have uh, experience with startups, write in because this was the this was like the craziest job I ever had. This and was it, the wild west of corporate. It was so I was like, good, a nice corporate job, a nice day job. It'll just you know, it'll be exactly what a day job's supposed to be. And it was like, it was like a full time drama. Yeah. Did you uh, did you did you know that Louis Louis C.K.'s office was the next office over from ours on that floor? Building? Yes. Oh yes, I did know. And that, that and that when that when that Louis story came out about him jerking off in front of people, two days later I came up out of the elevator and his the stuff was ripped out of the wall where his oh office was. <laughs> Hashtag free Louis. <laughs> I think I, I I think if I'd gone to the bathroom at the right point in the two days after that story dropped, I would have seen Louis C.K. ripping in out. Tears. Oh. In tears, ripping out, <laughs> ripping out like the sign-in sheet and whatever yeah. security thing he had in his wall. Masturbating furiously, weeping. <laughs> <laughs> the only way he knows how to comfort himself. Oh my God, that was, that was wild. Have you, are you still... I mean, what's your what's your day job now? Do you have something equally insane, or are you making money doing comedy? Um, some make me some money, but um, I have a sort of like kind of under the table writing job, working for a friend of mine that I'm a little bit. I'm kind of trying to get out of the day job game, not because I have so much other income coming in, but because I think that I need that. I think I'm someone who needs the kind of bottom pulled out from under me in order to get where I want to go. And I think that having a job that provides for me pretty comfortably actually is disincentivizing me to like take the risks that need to be taken in order to like achieve the things I want to achieve. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. So I have a little savings and I think that I'm gonna kind of make it work. (laughs) Yeah. You just go back to like not eating out. And yeah. take the subway everywhere. Don't take cabs, and you'll probably be—you just be poor for a little bit. I mean, anytime I've done that in my life, it feels amazing creatively. Yeah. And then obviously, I work myself into a huge hole and regret it, and then yeah. panic about money for six months, and then you know you fi- you'll end up finding another job and then quitting that. Like in a way, too good of a backup job is a bad thing for what we do. Yeah, it's a bad thing for creativity to be comfortable. It is, unfortunately. And I'm someone with, like, a bit of an overhead. Not just rent, but, like, I need skincare and this and that. Like, you know, I ha- I like stuff. I just, like, like nice things. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really comfortable. And, you know, succeeding is uncomfortable. And comfort is the opposite of that. So, you know, you have to light a fire under your own ass and you have to know how you work. So like the way I operate personally is that I'm a creature of comfort. I, you know, honestly, it's like, unless I have somewhere to be in the morning, I'm going to be up and ready to go at like noon. Like I need that. I need the thing. Like I have to do a certain thing by a certain time or else I need the or else. So if there's no or else I have to make it. Are you Catholic? No, I'm Jewish. Okay. I'll say that sounded very Catholic. Did it? Yeah, to be like, I need to know that hell awaits me if I <laughs> dare fuck this up, <laughs> touch myself before marriage. Yeah, no, whatever. I mean, yeah, that that's good to know that about yourself. I feel like I've learned a lot about my work habits, obviously in uh, in quarantine because right there's fucking nothing else to do. I like any excuse that I made for not having time to do shit. I have um, I've had nothing but time for a year. It's so, true. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm dating someone who is 
who has pushed me in like all the right ways. You know what I mean? Who sure. was like, you can do it, but you have to like do it. And maybe the difference between doing it and not doing it is just deciding and like going for it. And I was always like, you know, I'm very measured and I like things to be set up properly and whatever. And he was just like, I don't know if that's going to necessarily work for you. Like, I think you need to like set a date and keep it. And I was that's like, great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really supportive. It's like sometimes support such a tough love thing. You know what I mean? Like you can't like, you have to be willing to be like a little severe with someone <laughs> to be supportive enough for them to succeed. You have to be willing to hurt somebody's feelings in the moment if you think there's a greater truth worth expressing to someone. My my wife does right. it all the time, and I now have to communicate with her when I'm like, I'm asking your opinion on something, but I don't really want your opinion. You need to say this is great no matter what. And she's like, okay, great. Yeah, right. And then so funny, everybody, the secret of relationships is everyone takes turns being the woman. (laughs) (laughs) It's what we, it's what we say so often, Karen. I'm just like, I am the chick. I've never been the chick in a relationship before, but now that I'm like going to therapy and talking about my childhood, I'm just half the time I'm the chick. What and I'm being married for like, you know, yeah. people like I understand people, you know, you're you when you're a young man or whatever, you want to, you know, experience everything. I totally get it. But the whole point of being in a committed relationship is so you can do that. And someone still loves you and someone still wants to have sex with you, even though you're a emotional woman. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> somebody hacked my Twitter and I punched a hole in the wall uh, over here, which is I haven't punched a hole in the wall since, you know, back when like Obama was president. So it's been a at least raging. Well, it it was just like, it was something about they were in my, they were in my shit and I could see them deleting my tweets. Oh no. They can read all my DMs. Like I have like personal stuff in there. They just were taking over seven, eight years of joke writing. Yeah. And it was so infuriating. I punched a hole in the wall and then immediately started weeping, just weeping like, (laughs) like, like my child had been like Sophie's choice, like the end of that movie. That's how I cried at the wall where I punched a hole. And my wife's looking at me, and I'm, and in my head, I'm like, I would never fuck me again. Well, it's so funny because punching a wall is actually incredibly violent and not normal behavior. Like, so it's not a normal way to react to things. <laughs> and it really speaks to like a deep underlying rage. And it's so funny that you tell the story because it's, I know people like you, and a lot of them are comics, obviously, like there's a type going around, which is, really like good person like you're so sweet you're so kind and like such a nice guy and like you know you're easy to hang out with and talk to and the whole deal but you are have a rage like you have a barely suppressed rage yeah it's i don't know how much of it's hereditary and how much of it is just what you learn when you're a kid and what your your dad said being happy is not important so it's what happened to you as a kid of course yeah (laughs) it's your childhood let me just one one time (laughs) clear up this mystery no i get no my all my therapy sessions, I've, I've had three therapists in my life. I've been going for like five years on and off. And Therapy's the best. It is, it is great. I think you can overgo, and I, I'm cognizant of that, but I definitely needed it. And at some point, my therapist just basically goes, I just need, I wish I could just talk to your dad. Because like my, my, everything I say is just, he, then he said this and then, and then he, and then he said this, <laughs> like, it's just me <laughs> shitting on the man who raised me the whole time. But yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's all it is. It's just every two or three weeks. It just traces back to something. I remember something he said to me and I'm like, that's why, that's why I like, will just think of things to make myself mad sometimes. I remember oh, yeah. I remember one time we were at my little sister's soccer game. 
She's like eight. So it's, you know, eight-year-old, like, the ball goes and 20 people, 20 kids move and follow the ball, like. And while watching the game, he just turns to me and goes, anytime I need to get mad, I think about 9-11. He just said, like, (laughs) attached to nothing. Like, just that was the thought in his head. That's the most military thing I've ever heard. He's He was so, and he's. Thank him for his service for me, please. I will. I will genuinely do it. He loves that. He's yeah. He was, no, please do because that's like a real. That's a career military guy thing to say. You know what? You need people on the wall, and I'm not going to do it. If, if I if I if it was my job to stand on the wall and defend the country, I would like paint a mural and I would make it real artsy and fun. Dude, and we're then, both shitting our brains out constantly. The wall don't want us. <laughs> we're a liability to the wall. <laughs> yeah, we let shit through. Yeah, I have plantar fasciitis. It hurts if I run for five seconds. Yeah, I don't think oh, I'm no. gonna. I don't think I'm gonna help. It's not you. No, I I jewel. They don't want me. My no. My dad did some. My I've as I've gotten older. I'll I talk to my dad and I don't get angry at him. I'm like trying to understand him a little bit more. And that that really is it's similar it's different from comedy but similar in that people who do that and care about it view it as a calling and I think that's how a lot of comedians view what they do as well yeah. so it's like when you're called to something that requires that much service and that much giving of yourself and and it kind of deputizes your family to do the same thing even if it's little kids yeah. like I was I think well, it's you're committing it's committing your entire family to a lifestyle yes and I mean they they you know. Your kids don't have a choice, but like your wife picked it. Yes, knew what she was getting into with you. Oh well, are you you're talking about comedy or the arm or both? <laughs> I mean, really both. But like you know, yeah. we're comics. You know, she's married to a comic. I don't know what she does, but like I, I'm now dating a comic again, which I didn't. I honestly didn't think that I would do, and I think that this is like the last relationship I'll ever be in. So that's like completely wild to me. But um, yeah, it's a lifestyle, and you have to be cool with it. I can tell it's a good relationship because you didn't whisper that part. No, he's, he's here somewhere, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I think it's going to work. Um, yeah, it's, it's really so crazy to be at an age where you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the one. You're younger than me. I'm 35. You don't have to say how old you are, but you're younger than me. Not by a lot. Why did I think you were like six years younger than me? Oh, take that face because of that face because of that skincare <laughs> stuff you use, right? Because this skin routine. But, yeah, no, we're about the same age, actually. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But, yeah, no, we're a couple of late bloomers over here. With our our generation, millennials, we are literally we are a meme. We are a living walking meme. I read somewhere <laughs> we're like all having kids at forty two. Like I read millennials have an average of eight thousand dollars in savings. And I was like, Oh, somebody's rich. <laughs> my uh, somebody's doing well for themselves. <laughs> my my friend's dad is a financial planner, and so she emailed us and was like, My dad wants to give a talk to some of my friends uh, about just like planning for your retirement. So we hopped on the call and one of the, one of the things he said he goes, uh, you know, you're probably going to need about $5 million to retire comfortably. Like, he said oh that God. straight. And the rest of the talk, I'm, I'm watching the faces of the other, like, friends who are all comics like us. And it's <laughs> it's everybody realizing how bad the end of their life is going to be. Like, that was yeah. all we did was educate ourselves on how dying in a ditch is guaranteed for it's everyone in our generation. Happen. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It's not it's just what's going to happen and we all see it coming, but it's worse for you personally, you, because you're the guy in your relationship, obviously. And so the burden's kind of on you to like sort that out. And I'm not saying your wife isn't pulling her weight or whatever, but I'm just saying yeah, social, yeah. socially it's on you. And that I always feel bad for guys for that specific reason that you guys have this burden of, of support. Like 
you, you don't, women have the option to just support themselves. You know, we don't, if that, and I'm not, this is not a knock on women or whatever. I don't think anybody really gives a shit what I say, but you know, I'm just saying you have the option of not even working if you can make that work. And guys just don't. Guys, the expectation is like, not only do you obviously have to support yourself, but around 30-ish, you should be able to support another full adult and children. So it's like you have an obligation to three people by the time you're like in your late 20s, early 30s. And that's fucking crazy. It's crazy. I mean, my my, my wife does comedy too and – is oh, way no. more way more but way more successful than me which is oh, great so <laughs> so really all i have to do is get used to the idea of raising the children when that happens because that's honestly Grace. i mean look like this podcast could take off but if we're being real this will fail and then after it does it's like well let's be more real it's not going to fail it's going to be exactly like this for a really long time maybe i don't know i mean look my, my show has seen growth but it grew from zero. No, I know what you're. I know what you're. I know you know you're what not. I'm saying. Yeah. The real, the real thing I've learned in the pandemic with working and like, because I have found a work ethic in reaching out and doing stuff online and creating a presence and all that shit. Really, like, I, like anybody that asks me to do their podcast, I'm like, absolutely. I did like six podcasts last week. I'm just saying yes to everything. I'm gonna try to make as many actual fans of my comedy as possible. And so that's been cool in the last few months. I've had people reaching out that aren't related to me, that have never met me, that live in fucking Nebraska. And they're like, I love your show, man. Like, and that's been very cool. And my thought the whole time, my thought the whole time has been like, I wish I had started this 12 years ago. Cause it's like funny, I, cause my, my boyfriend gave me the exact same talking to, we were on vacation and he like, we, he sat me down over dinner and he was like, what's your plan? He was like, look, I don't really give a shit what you do. Like, I love you, but for you to be happy, like, what's the plan here? So I was like, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I don't really want to do this job anymore and whatever. And, um, and he said, he said exactly what, exactly that Wait, wait, I just lost my train of thought. What did you just say? I was, I was talking about, uh, finding fans online and like yeah, yeah. build, building an actual group of people that want to follow your stuff and know where they can hear more of you. That's what he, oh, no, no, no. You were saying, you said you wish you'd done it sooner. That's what he said. He was like, look, because yeah. I was like, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. And he was like, yeah, but you haven't finished it yet. And I think you're being a perfectionist about it. And people who are perfectionists are insecure. And you're doing that because of insecurity. And he goes, I'm telling you, once you just commit to this, you, it, the, he goes, the hard part's what you're doing right now. And once you just commit, you'll realize it's not nearly as intimidating as you thought. And you'll wish so much you'd done it sooner. Wow. And I, yeah, and I sat on that to this day. <laughs> Are you dating the Dalai Lama? That's like amazing <laughs> advice. I love that. Isn't it? No, I know. I use the absolute best. Yeah, it's amazing advice. It made me like, I remember like in that moment being like, this is it. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> Who else would speak to me like this? Like you really care. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing advice, right? Yeah. Right. And you can feel it too, right? Like when, once you actually do it, you're like, uh, what was I? What was I so scared of? Yeah, you hear stories of like Aziz and Sorry taking people's emails outside of UCB when he's fifteen years old or whatever, and you're like, w- w- I-, I never had that in me to do that. I wasn't confident in myself at that time. It's also humiliating, dude. I've seen comics outside of their set, like 
when the audience is leaving the club being like, this is my Instagram, this is my Instagram, follow me on Instagram. And then, and I follow them on Instagram. They still get like 14 likes to a post. Like, it's just embarrassing to do that. And I don't, not everybody has it in them. It's like barking. Like, I don't do that. I am forcing myself to do that stuff. Good for you. It's, and it is, there are painful moments. I had one, I had one today, I had one, not today, yesterday. Somebody listened to my podcast. I had a, um, a, a bit about some football player killing his wife and obviously like not serious, but somebody took it very serious and I kind of had to like walk them through like what a joke is and I didn't mean it. And they're like, Oh yeah, no, I'll keep following you, man. I, I love, I love dark comedy. And I was like, I don't know if you do. Cause if this really bothered you, I genuinely, I was like, Oh, if this, if this show's going to upset you, don't listen to it. Like, I don't want you, I don't want to upset people. Like I'm, but like, yeah, but the people who come after you the hardest, turn out to be your biggest fans. I People who don't like you don't listen to you and don't reach out to you. The ones who actually bother reaching out or even talk shit really actually like you. I think that's what this – that's a, that's an insightful point because I think this guy did. He listened to two episodes. Shout out to the guy. He's, if he's probably listening now, he's a fan. It's, it's cool. Right. I mean, like I said, it's – I mean, I literally, like, changed my Instagram to – like, I have, like, a private Instagram where I – I did don't put any family st- like you know like, all my mm-hmm. public stuff i'm now it really happened when i did agt wow and they don't know yeah, it's I don't me put, I, I haven't put anything really personal from this relationship on my instagram either it's, it's smart reach a certain point where you're like this is actually private like i'm, I'm not dating for the gram <laughs> like this is actually like special to me and nobody's fucking business and this is for work instagram's and- for work and you have like 38 podcasts that you do. So yeah. I was going to, I actually wanted to ask you, do you ever struggle with the balance of how to be open with your audience, but still feel like you're keeping stuff for yourself? Mm-hmm. I used to struggle with that more and like overshare. I think we all go through that where we're just like saying everything and, you know, it, it's not even my stuff that I'm worried about oversharing, but I'll talk about like relationships that I'm in and that's not really fair to those people. Like they didn't choose this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to like keep people's names out of my mouth. And also I feel like it's almost like telling dirty jokes, which by the way is exclusively what I tell. (laughs) I'm not not knocking. I'll make stuff really dirty and it's like a crush, but it is, that's what it is. It's like so much harder to work clean. It's so much harder to be interesting, vulnerable and open with your audience and not talk about your relationship, your sex life, like all that stuff. That's not always your place to talk about because it involves somebody else. You know, it's just hard. It is hard. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder about it too because I've – I don't say anybody's name. My wife's been on the show and she's – you know, like I said, she works in comedy. So I, I'll say her name but then like I'll have bits where I'm like this crushes but it definitely involves stuff we've done and like I just – I kind of have to run it by her. That's honestly what I do is I'll work on it at mics or shows with not a lot of people and then once it's like a formed bit and I know it works in front of an audience, I'll be like, what do you think about this <laughs> – and then she'll give me cool? like, she'll give me like the thumbs up or thumbs down, and then it's. But I mean, it's really only there's really only one time I can think where she said you can't say that on stage. Everything else, she usually. It's funny. My family's like, I don't know how you say that about your wife. She must be furious. I'm like, she thinks that's like her favorite joke. Oh, yeah. I was dating this guy, and I had an entire bit about fisting because that's the kind of stuff we used to get into. And um, he not only did it, he didn't he didn't know about it. He'd never seen it. 
and I wouldn't tell I he didn't I wouldn't say it <laughs> if he was gonna do a show. So my my sets would always suck because it was my best bit. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, you're really funny. Like I'm sure you'll succeed." <laughs> and I would want to be like, "You don't understand. Like when I talk about your asshole, I, it, it goes great." <laughs> but you can never know that. And so that was shitty. That was I'm not proud of it. That's well, I'm a little bit proud, but like less than you know yeah. because I'm docking points for being a shitty person. And I'm just trying not to do that now. It's not fair. It, it it isn't you and you really have to have the permission of the person if you're going to do it. I feel like that's the only honorable way. I mean, I have such great material on my dad. Like I just have the best stuff. There was a time in stand up where I would start to tell a story about my dad and I would stop and go, "Please don't laugh at this." To the audience, "Please don't laugh at this. If this just doesn't do well one time, I can put it out of my mind and just never revisit it." That was the fisting joke for me. I was like, yeah. for the love of God, why is this my best, best joke? My most beloved best joke. It crushed every I time. Know. And it was about someone else's asshole. And I was like, God damn it. I just, I made a deal with the devil, didn't I? You can't, re- you can't rework it so that it's clearly not that person? I mean, I, I would, I felt bad. So I'd be like, an ex of mine, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, of course it's not. I'm not going to date anybody like that. And I probably never will again. Yeah. I feel you. What are you gonna do? I guess you. I guess you just gotta let the bit die. I never told you what the show's about. Do you even want to know what the show's about? It's about sports or something. It's a sports show. Okay. Did, well, we don't have to cool. talk. But here's Let's the talk thing. About sports. <laughs> I don't want sports. <laughs> well, you, I'll just tell you who your guy is. So you just so his name gets mentioned. I, what happens is I do the interview, and then if I end up not talking about it with the person, I'll just I just do a pre bit where I talk about it. All right, just shoehorn that shit right in. Shoehorn it in. So there, it's a, every episode's about a backup quarterback. And the idea right. is like most of us in life don't ever get to be the starter. So it's like we're all kind of backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I'm making it universal for people. Right. And your guy is Jason Garrett, who was a backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and then was a very mediocre head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. Cool. So what? So what about this guy? I don't know. I haven't done any research on him. So th- that's really all we need to say. I just needed to mention his name once and we can move on. Oh, okay. Just so you, just so the premise of the show ro- <laughs> just, rolls right along. <laughs> just, I, like, yeah, just so it's like, so my audience like, he didn't fucking mention it once for 45 minutes. What's this guy's name? His name's Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, you say? Yeah, he's a, Jason Garrett. Well, honestly, it sounds like he had a brilliant career being just kind of mediocre. Look, you know how hard it is to be mediocre and like, a high level profession. Like it's so fucking hard. I didn't actually used to be like, I'd be like, Oh, I feel like a loser and blah, blah. blah. And he'd be like, do you know how hard you have to work to be a loser in New York city? Like to be an ugly loser is hard and you have to work your ass off, which is true. I was just listening to some, somebody talk about, um, maybe it was like, I wasn't even, it was like a Gary V reel (laughs) on Instagram. And he was like, (laughs) but he was saying, um, life's already hard. I know you think you're working hard because you are, but you're, working hard being alive if you want to actually be successful you have to run twice as fast as that it actually is that hard like I'm not even keeping up with my basic obligations of like go to the pharmacy do your laundry get some food whatever like you have to do that 10 times more to be successful and regular life is already hard enough yeah I've been really taking care of my health to uh I got the celiac things somebody just told me I'm uh, I'm pre-diabetic Jesus, Eric. Yeah, I have like I'm taking care of my feet, like the plant, like I'm flat footed, and in my whole life I've just been like, when people get tired when they're running, it's because it feels like you're getting stabbed in the bottom of your feet, right? I've just mm-hmm. been thinking that. 
When I was, I remember in high school, I was, I, I did crew and we used to run a seven mile loop and then go, Jeez. did you ever see the movie The Exorcist? Yeah, I just watched it. Okay. So we used to run, it was in DC. So we used to run 20, uh, suicides up those stairs, the, oh up God. the exorcist stairs. And I remember my feet, like literally feeling like they were going to fall off. Like the pain was so acute. Like it, it, I could wake up feeling it sometimes. That's how bad it was. And I never once thought like there might be something wrong with my feet. And now I'm a 35 year old man. I'm going to the doctor and he's like, holy shit, we need to get you orthopedics <laughs> right now. Can you walk out of here? Like, so all, <laughs> but yeah, like the process of taking care of yourself. Like today I went to the pick up my orthopedic, my orthopedic shoe then went to the new balance store and had the guy fit it for me. And then he's like, do you want to come back from the shoe? I was like, yes, I need a walking shoe after I get a workout shoe. And I'm driving home and I have like tears in my eyes because I'm like, this is what it feels like to love yourself. Like literally just like, it's, it's actually emotional to start taking care of yourself physically. But that is, yeah. uh, that's what I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I can't just like do what I did in New York. And I was like squatting in a condemned building for a year and a half. Like you just eat whatever's like, I just ate like a pigeon in New York. Like whatever was just, oh, I'm <laughs> hungry. What's so the closest crazy. thing? Yeah. You're not my first friend to tell a story to tell me that, and all the guys that I've that have said that to me are all the people who have said that to me are guys. Girls don't do that. No, <laughs> we we find us a boyfriend with an apartment. <laughs> we, we don't squat. <laughs> the girl squatting, she's got mental health and addiction. She's on heroin and she's doing eight balls on the regular. And I'm not knocking it. Whatever, it's your path, and you know you ended up where you ended up. But yeah, you're not doing so hot. <laughs> squatting wasn't intense. The the people there, it was pretty rough. I didn't choose to do it. It was I, it was right when I moved to New York. I didn't know anyone, and the place I found a place online, and then within a month it closed down, and I had nowhere to go. So I just stayed, wow. and then that just stretched on into almost two years. And now look at you, married, nice place in L.A. <laughs> look at this big jokes sp- about rope bondage or whatever. Yeah, great. Well, uh, thanks for listening, Mom. Hope you're enjoying <laughs> the podcast back at home. Yeah, you know, I went through I went through a stage where I was like, I'm gonna say everything. I'm right, just gonna. Right, right. We like, all did that. Yeah, That's and then, art. Yeah, and then you pull back and you're like, okay, what do I really need to? Maybe there's a way to say this. I remember uh, uh, Lena Dunham <laughs> wrote a book where she talked about like putting pebbles in her sister's pussy. Do you remember that controversy? Yes. I remember the controversy. I didn't read the book. I didn't read the book either, but I just remember that. And then she said in an interview, she was like, I, I really admire people who find a way to say things about their life in a way that doesn't sell out other people, but still gets the point across. And I'm not a Lena Dunham fan by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination, but I did like that quote because I was like, there's probably a way to get your point across without leaving a killing field of your relationships behind you as you, that's what we're talking about, about not selling people out. There's a way to still express yourself without doing that. And you know what? Even with the best intentions, you are definitely going to fuck it up. You are like at the outset of the relationship I'm in now, right at the beginning, we've known each other for a really long time, but just started dating recently. And we were both like, um, we've both been in relationships that were public, like pretty public with like public people. And we're like mad over shares and they were too. And both of us were like, we're keeping this private. This isn't going to be like that. We're going to like protect this. And um, we're not going to use this as material. And we, even so, even with that, 
there's no blanket ban. You can't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, shit still makes it in. He does like even way more than me. Just 10,000 podcasts. You run out of things to say. And I don't like, you know, we're dating, so I don't like listen to his shows necessarily, but something will cross my path once in a while. And remember once I was like, babe, I love you so much. This isn't a big deal, but you just like not talk about my asshole. Like, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> he goes, oh, I'm really sorry. I go, no, no, no it, it was funny. It's cool. But just like for future, for the future, yeah, you know, if, for if the future, okay. <laughs> it, dating a comic. I've never, have I ever done that? I've never done that. I've dated improvisers, which is definitely not the same thing. Um, but I've never dated a stand-up comedian. I feel like that would be – I'm so competitive with people. I feel like I would really – that would be that would be the hardest part, I feel like, of a relationship with a stand-up is like somebody says something when you're fucking around, and then you're just like, oh, whose is that? <laughs> whose is that? It's, who, well, it's, it's whoever is more busy – and more successful, they're going to say it publicly first. Sometimes they know you said it first and they're using it in the moment. Sometimes they forget and they think they came up with it because you guys talk and hang out all the time. Yeah. And that's what it's going to be. And from that point forward, it's theirs because now it's in the public ether. My wife's done stand-up a couple times and she's infuriatingly good at it even though she doesn't do it, which mm-hmm. legit upset me in the beginning because I was like, how can, you be, how can this be your third time and you're one of the better people on the lineup? It upset me. <laughs> And she had a bit about pigeons. I'm not going to do her bit because it's her bit. But every time she does it, I'm like, if you didn't do stand-up, I, I would, I'd pay you for that bit. And I've never, I've never even thought about doing that before. But I, like, I love the bit so much. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like just do stand-up. Just, I, I, like, even though I, I would have feelings about it, I'd rather you do stand-up so I could just see that bit end up on TV or something than just know you do well, it once every two years. The relationship before this one was he was a not, not a comic. And so I made some friends through him that were also not comics. And that was such a blessing because they're so funny. and But they don't do comedy. So anything they say is fair game. <laughs> anything <laughs> a non-comic says. It's like, that's my now. That's my now. And it's so funny because they'll say something that's like just such an inside joke between the group. You know, you learn so early on, like your first couple open mics, that stuff that's funny to you and your friends is not funny to the wider world because they don't give a fuck. Yes. You know, like people like people don't care what your inside jokes are. Um, but we'll do that and they'll be like, are you going to use this for your stand-up? This has to be used for your stand-up. And I, I want to be like, no, but literally every other thing you said I'm stealing. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine now. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a phantom to me. You are dead. You'll never see me again. You're a ghost. It's, I mean, come after me. I don't care. You don't do this. <laughs> Get at me. <laughs> I, having a having non-comedy friends is a, a blessing that I've appreciated a lot more in the last couple of years. Um, oh, it's the best, dude. You can't just hang out with comics. It's, it's- you, go cra- you go crazy and you don't have a point of reference for like normal people. When I get together with my friends from college who are like cops and firemen and like tax accountants, like they just have like normal, I can't even think, that's how in comedy I am, I can't even think of three other jobs beyond those. <laughs> like I didn't have an idea after tax person. So like when you hang out with them, you're like, oh, they're not worried about, <laughs> they're not thinking about their careers when they're not at their careers. That's so fascinating yeah. to me, you know? Yeah, but to be fair, that's not just a comedy specific thing. That's like any creative job is people are like, oh, so you work 15 minutes a night or whatever. And it's like, no, I work 24 seven because like any thought I have, I have to write down before I forget it. Yeah. You know, I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about the next thing. I always feel like I'm not doing enough, mostly because I'm not. And it's like constant. Like I don't clock out. 
Well, you are doing a lot. I wasn't kidding. You have like I look just when I Google I Googled you for five seconds before you hopped on the show. Nice. Because you pushed the time back for recording uh, thirty five times. Don't worry about quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> Several times over. I think days. Uh, maybe it was just today. I can't remember. No, I was supposed. We were supposed to record this in twenty sixteen. That's when the podcast was supposed <laughs> to start. No, but I was like, you have so many podcasts. I don't do all of them concurrently. Some of those are not are, are defunct, but um, I have okay. done a lot of podcasts. Yes, and I'm currently doing a couple now. Great. So yeah, that's true. I mean, one of them's it's funny you say like how do you not overshare? They're not right now. Right this second, I'm not doing one that's just mine. So that would be if I had a podcast that was just my show, like how you're doing this. That would be my struggle to not overshare things that aren't my business to tell. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I co-host with someone who's like a veteran of comedy on Race Wars. So you know it's I'm co-hosting so it's not I'm not really in danger of I'm not worried about failing time necessarily and the yeah. other podcast yeah. I do is a finance show so it's funny because I am the overshare on that show and I'm keeping it really tame you know like I reference <laughs> my personal life all the time it's like about money <laughs> but that's like kind of what I'm there for but it's well, just the title of that show here. makes me laugh that's two black guys with good credit yeah, yeah. and then the fact that you're on it is pretty funny as well I... <laughs> yeah well it's funny because we we really like get on like it's just such it is a really uh, it's a good show and it's really useful for people like if you're trying to get your shit together financially which like it's great it's great um (laughs) and the whole message of they were like we know you're white but like the message of the show is everybody can be a black guy with good credit like you know it's like (laughs) you're a black guy with good credit i'm a black guy with good credit you eric you're a black guy with good credit Uh, it's it's so (laughs) it's so what we need right now it's we just need that type of unity i love it look i'm part of me was almost wishing that trump would get reelected so that my my currency with black comedy could take me a little bit further because it's like <laughs> we're so oppressed still. But <laughs> nobody really cares what I let do. Me, let me now. let's leave it on that so that can infuriate all my listeners. <laughs> let's, I'll leave that without a retort. I'm also leaving it because I said I would uh, get out of here sooner, and I kept you for an hour, which I feel bad. No about. worries. No, it flew. Well, look, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye now, but don't actually leave because I want to say goodbye as a friend and find out who you're dating because you. He said such good things so far. I want to know what this source is. I'll tell you everything. Tell me everything, but after we fake say goodbye now, let's fake say goodbye now for the podcast. I will. Goodbye, Eric. Goodbye. Talk to you you never. Later. (laughs) All right, yeah. This was a fun show. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, visit erichelwig.com, where you can follow on social media, join the newsletter, visit the merch store, or email me directly. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, rate us five stars and write a review. If not, just subscribe from your preferred podcast platform. Lastly, if you know someone who would enjoy our content, please tell them about the show. That's erichelwig.com for all things backups, and we'll see you on the next episode.